FFPC startup draft dynasty journey between Jordan McNamara, myself, Chad Parsons, has reached a weight on quarterback apex. Um, it is actually an argument. We are doing a case study, a field study for why you shouldn't play in one quarterback leagues as maybe the general rule. Why we are moving towards Superflex, Jordan, because I will just say that we have a barrel sitting on the floor and there's a bunch of fish that we are hoping to capture that are in this very tiny barrel. And it feels like you could just put your hand in and pull it out. We are 14 rounds in, and this is even better of, of suitable options in this start one and relatively shallow dynasty format than I could have even imagined because it takes too long to text you all the notable quarterbacks that are still out there because we talked about this before the draft started. I'm sure we talked about it last week on the show, which is, we have a number and way more than 12 quarterbacks we're okay with having as a starter. And sure enough, the owners are grew tired. The other drafters grew tired of drafting quarterbacks once they had one and a few of them had two. It feels like the over-under for the rest of the draft, including us, is at like 4.5, 3.5 at most, when I think we still have more than that on our list. Yeah, it looks like it looks like there's uh, a handful of us still that haven't taken a quarterback. Uh, so, um, defenses yeah, are going. Defenses, defenses are going. Are going. <laughs> right, right. It looks like there's a couple of teams that don't have quarterbacks. We're one of them. Uh, defenses are going. We've got two defenses off the board. We are uh, 14 rounds deep. Uh, we are in the middle of the 14th round. I think we had a notable selection in the 14th round. It was notable considering it was over a quarterback too, uh, in terms of Antonio Brown. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, we're getting to a point where, I mean, you just compare, it's funny, you and I are pretty big Jameis Winston fans and we've talked about Jameis Winston in, in prior, uh, in prior shows. And he goes in the 11th round. I mean, that's tough in a 20-man roster because you have to wait. And you're going to have to wait a full year, a full year with him on your bench. And I just, we're going to just continue waiting. And I know you and I both like quarterbacks deep and and where they're going in ADP. And I just, just the patience play. We were joking about it today when you called me. My daughter was running around like a maniac without any, uh, just soaking wet, just running my heart with floors because she decided to get out of the pool on her own. But the, uh, um, we're like, do we have to take a quarterback? Cause we think we could probably get one off the waiver where we're going to like pretty much. It's, uh, um, I do think yeah. it's mandatory you have a starting lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Like. They're in the, but at this point, they're in the, in the quarter or the the quarterbacks are in the the kicker and defense tier in terms of just waiting on them. That's true. Was, we have we have we have six rounds left, and we know ten picks have to be a defense, and twelve picks minimum have to be a kicker from this point forward, which is two rounds. We basically mm-hmm. have uh, what is that? So four rounds left of positional players. If someone takes two kickers or defenses, um, I am going to my brain will explode. Is what I'll say. Uh, but you know what? You got to have a plan for your bye week. I think that is absolutely critical uh, because there won't be anything left on the waiver wire. I say tongue in cheek. It's firmly in my cheek um, for that moment. For for this audience, if they don't know me, uh, I will just say divergent things <laughs> from my real thoughts when they become so obvious. Yeah, yeah. So we're. I think we've got 
some some patience in terms of in terms of position, and I think it'll be it's going to be tough. Like, how is someone going to roster Jameis Winston in for a whole next. year through bye weeks? Through, I mean, that's that's a tough thing to do and start one where it's a tighter roster. We're not talking thirty five man rosters. We're talking twenty. Including you have to keep a kicker in a defense. And if you just thinking that out for a second, if I guess the play there is, hey, Jameis Winston could be this could be a, a high end starter, top five, top five option, right? Sure, I mean, we've, we've seen that potential upside and impact. Absolutely, but if Drew Brees if Drew Brees plays another year, you can't. How are you going to keep that? You know, as and you're spending basically an 11th, 12th round pick on. Uh, basically a backup quarterback. That's a, I think a dangerous a roster construction decision where you could take other, and, and we did this a little bit with our 14th round pick Antonio Brown, where one of the things was we said, Hey, listen, this is, this is high variance in terms of could never play again or could be a, a viable fantasy contributor week one, right? There's a pretty wide range there. If he were but, signed, I think part of the, the thing, I don't think we've said it to each other when we were making that decision, but if he were signed right now, he would have been gone how many rounds ago? And, totally. I, and, the, ans- and the answer is multiple, if not five, six, seven, or something like that. I mean, looking at the wide receivers going, I mean, I think it would be what? I, I'm looking at this list, maybe Denzel Mims, maybe Nikhil Harris. I mean, that's round eight. So, I mean, you're cutting in half the uh, the cost there in terms of just because he hasn't signed so far, you know, has he turned a corner? There's a lot of off field analysis that you could absolutely do and play into this. But if he were to sign with a team, you would expect him. This is almost, you know, kind of a theory of, of survivorship, you know, where you get, mm-hmm. let's say Frank Gore, let's say, and this is actually something I remember saying about Frank Gore, which is if he's on a team it's not like Adrian Peterson is another good example, right? I mean, he didn't last long with the Saints where it was like, I'm not getting touches. Um, I'm a Hall of Fame player, you know, and you don't even have to be on that level to be, well, I'm still in the league. If Marshawn Lynch signs with somebody, all these are examples of if you are of requisite level, you're not going to just sit there and be a two-touch-a-week player or to just be, uh, you know, a, a coach, a mentor in the positional room. That that's not going to be why someone sells you on coming into a situation or a team. So Antonio Brown isn't coming back to be a three or four target a week player. It's not someone's not going to bring him in for that to be his reasonable expected outcome. So I just those are types of plays. These are my favorite plays are when guys like this fall through the cracks. And obviously, there's plenty of uncertainty with Antonio Brown specifically. But these older players, where you say if they're not done yet then there's a lot of potential here and everyone is just pushing them aside like they are finished. I, I think it's the, uh, what was the time? Tony Gonzalez. That's who I was thinking of this whole time that, you know, every year he kept coming back and churning out top 10 seasons because you wanted to, Oh, 33 years old. You're saying I'm done. How about 34? How about 35? I think he played through 37 <laughs> and, and you just, if you traded that away for a third round pick, Four years too early. Larry Fitzgerald is another good example of people just, you know, oh, you move to a contender. Someone trades him because they fall out of the race for peanuts. And then, you know, you just keep going. And all of a sudden he keeps helping people year over year, uh, with helping them, you know, on a positive track. Yeah. And, and those guys stay a lot of times they stay on the track. I, I listen, I remember when Alvin Kamara was blocked though. I mean, if you don't remember, Adrian Peterson was going to block him and, and that, Mark Ingram and they're on and different Mark teams Ingram. now. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that ended quickly. It's Carlos Hyde um, all over again. 
Yeah, but but these are the types of decisions I think are important, and and we've stayed flexible. I think I don't think as we sort of went through this draft, if you had said to me, "Hey, we're going to address wide receiver again in the fourteenth round after you know, round eight or nine, I would have probably said, "I, I doubt that's true." But at the, but at the point, I mean, there's some buzz. There was some talk in the last call it 48 hours that Antonio Brown um, has drawing interest that he might be, um, you know, that, that potentially Seattle could be a place, which would be interesting, um, you know, with the good quarterback and, and not a true hundred percent wide receiver one archetype there. I'm wiggling um, there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you could see him sort of fit in and hack. Maybe it'll force them to throw the ball on, you know, first or second down. Um, so yeah, I mean, but again, in, in you got to play the game too, and so I think FFPC is its own game, which is which is fun and interesting. It's different than what I would consider. Uh, we're employing different tactics than we would in a. You and I are in a league where it's forty man rosters, right? That's a whole different, right? With that's two a whole quarter, different two quarterback, two tight end, right? <laughs> right. That's a whole different strategy in terms of what we're trying to put together. Where this we can afford some. Hey, if this player in you know mid double digit round, you know mid fifth, you know fourteenth, fifteenth round, something like that, if he doesn't do anything, well, that's fine. It'll open up a roster spot. But sort of knowing that early is is critical. And there was a poll out over the over the weekend or over the I think it was over the weekend where it was like, you know, what one player are you waiting for uh to to become a fantasy starter? And I just tweeted Jeff Janice, right? Because we're still waiting. And that that um I know that that cut runs deep on Chad. So um but that's a classic situation where you don't want to be an FFPC, which is holding a player or waiting on a player to develop. You sort of, in that shorter roster, play it more like a redraft because you're going to have to, you know, ultimately you're going to have to cut some people at the end of your roster. You're going to, you're going to need roster spots to address, uh, you know, bye weeks. And we're probably not going to carry a, a, a two quarterbacks or those sorts of things. You're going to need to address the, the back end of your roster, I'm guessing will be pretty frequent at that. So taking a shot like this, if it turns out, Hey, we can maybe cash it out or ride it, whatever. Um, but if it turns bad, that's fine. Right. At that cost in the draft, that's fine for us because it'll open up a roster spot. So that, that sort of playing the game, I think it's, it's really important to, again, read the rules, but understand and think about the implications of the strategies that you employ. This is Chad Parsons, Jordan McNamara, episode nine of the Football Guys Dynasty Show and FFPC. We've talked about it before of the format from lower stakes. You know, I think it starts at $77. There's also a $35, um, entry level and this, it goes all the way up into the thousands in terms of entry fees. So every level is covered. They have super flex. They have one quarterback like this. Uh, and a number of, of different formats, um, as well as the Football Guys Players Championship. Um, so again, you want to be a part of that. Uh, there are drafts happening um, basically every day, and you can get on that by signing up at myffpc.com slash footballguys. So long-standing platform there. And I think what's good for us, Jordan, is because we never, as analysts, we have to clarify and we definitely have to cover deeper formats as well as more shallow ones because a lot of times folks transitioning from redraft to dynasty will typically do so a little more with shallower rosters. Now it may not be exactly 20 man rosters, but I do think talking strategy with FFPC and the, the draft we are doing, that's why we are covering it over 
over multiple shows here is because um, it is it is a blend. I almost view it as a hybrid type format where we discuss this and this is again is not the format we typically play and not the one that we play together uh in our other co-owned league is uh you really have to look at who am i going to cut because you have 18 players outside of kicker and defense heck again i think someone's going to have multiple kickers or defenses it's going to happen so you maybe even have less than 18 but you need to know going into waiver wire week one there's going to be players that you drafted you got to cut bait. If you got to pick someone up, you got to drop somebody. And there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of turnover on those final roster spots. And for good reason, uh, because there's going to be quality players on the waiver wire at this depth, even in 23 to 25 man rosters, there's plenty of depth. So uh, someone like Antonio Brown, we always talk, we want clarity. So what's a situation? All of these picks from this point forward pretty much need to be what do we need to see between now? What's that perfect storm between now and week one or week two that we will want to keep that player? What's your argument? What's your pitch that they make that they make it worthwhile with that roster spot? And Antonio Brown, we're, we're starting out talking about him because he is that perfect declare his clarity for that roster spot type option where it's not a bad thing. If you roll snake eyes, that's okay. You need a few snake eyes. Otherwise, you might hold these type players, Jeff Janis, if you pick the wrong <laughs> options, that you're going to sit there and you're going to hold them, miss out on a lot of things on the waiver wire, a lot of players you can put in your lineup, you can stream them, you can help yourself out during bye weeks, where otherwise I think you're going to have issues, that attachment, that over-attachment, that clutchiness with your favorite guys. And I think it's really important. I mean, we have targeted some maybe longer-term plays. So I, I think we ended last week in uh, round eight or so. But we've, we've, we've drafted some of our guys. Um, but you also need to have, you know, that longer term. We took Rob Gronkowski in round 13. I think that's another good example of saying early right. in the season, we will find out what we have. Is Tampa Bay going to be that great? All these new pieces. Is Rob Gronkowski coming back a year off of football? Is he going to be fresh or is he going to be rusty? Is it going to be a committee situation? With OJ Howard, is it going to be a lot of wide receivers and not enough tight end? Is he going to be blocking a lot? Is he going to be healthy? Uh, there are so many questions that could lead us to cutting Rob Gronkowski, but the upside, like Antonio Brown, of what if this works? What if this is great? We're talking about one of the all time, at least over the last five to eight to 10 years, players. And you're getting them. We got round 13 and round 14 of Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. And part of that is playing the format where I could say, Jordan, I mean, with confidence, if we were in a different type and much deeper league, these are two picks we may not have made. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to sort of look at the opposite side of that, of the type of player that we wouldn't, that like maybe we wouldn't do this in, in a, a deeper or a, a larger roster size, a player that we might address. And I think you and I may have even taken him and, uh, in the league that we, the other league we co-own, which again is twice the size of this, KJ Hamler. Right. You and I can can like KJ Hamler and sort of think the profile is interesting from a cost perspective. But but really what I mean, you have to you have to decide in an FFPC, you got to decide in a year. Right. Whether or not they're inside the line for you. And I think at best, he's a wide receiver three this year with a, a good tight end with a running back who's shown the ability to catch. Right. You sort of 
trickle down that and you're like, all right, well, how, how do we sort of extract that early? Well, at least we know with, uh, that's a better stash on the back end of a deeper roster, right? A, a bet on pedigree. Whereas in, in this, in this game that we're playing, the Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, that more aligns with, I think, the, the, the style of game we're playing as well as what the, what the contending windows need to be and the development windows of players need to be when you can't take a long term. It's really tough to take a long term developmental bet. We make that Jeff Janis joke, but that's a lesson learned. A lot, and, and it's been a that's been a painful lesson to learn throughout my dynasty career. Something you can't, you know, these project wide receivers. I would much rather have the clarity. And you know, three or four years ago, Jordan wouldn't have, you know, give me give me twelve receivers deep. You know, give me all the day two guys that are boom bust, Sammy Coates, Chris Conley. Like, let's do it all. And uh, but no, I mean, now it's it has to be a more limited universe. What's interesting is we've gone, we've got five wide receivers, which in terms of the numbers in which we were talking coming into this thing, you and I had some detailed conversations where, you know, was it going to be three or four or, you know, sort of what our, what our break even line was. I think five was probably the, the, the max in terms of it. Again, we have a plan. If things change, you sort of have to be open to those ideas as well. It's, it's have a plan, be willing to adjust when necessary. Uh, and I think that we have, because quarterbacks have fallen, we have the ability to wait on them, grab a little bit of the falling wide receiver value while also hitting our, our running back targets. If you had told me coming out of this to, to this point where we were at, I'd be pretty happy knowing through 14 rounds, this is the team we've put together. Uh, there's not really much that I would, that I would, I don't think I would gripe about very much. Yeah, and, and some of our most recent picks, uh, you know, mentioned AJ Dillon was, was there. I think one of the last picks we discussed, um, in, in last week's show, but we added Ronald Jones. So again, mm-hmm. talk about, again, variance, I think in more shallow leagues is your friend. You want to imagine the perfect storm and Ronald Jones. I think it's easy to, well, okay. Maybe not everyone can paint that perfect storm because some people have written off Ronald Jones already. And trust me, this show, I don't think you're going to find two, two hosts that are, that were more anti where he was going in rookie drafts the year he came out on Ronald Jones. Zero shares, right? right. You had zero shares. I'm guessing coming out. Absolutely. I, zero I had zero. That was the, that was the class that there was, I think, so, and you think five straight running backs is a pretty good run. I think that year some drafts eight, right? had eight in a row before you got to <laughs> DJ Moore and Christian Kirk and some of these other wide receivers. And so Ronald Jones is absolutely the guy not to draft one through eight somewhere in there. Don't draft him. That, but you know what? He's reinvented himself and everyone now is on Keyshawn Vaughn. And again, Ronald Jones, if we, if you get this right, this is a high variance move. He could be a weekly starter. I think he could be a top 10 back on, on just sheer opportunity. What if, if you want, if Tom Brady does, I'm not going to say transform. Tampa Bay was already a good offense, but if you get the lead back with Tom Brady and an optimized attack that is one of the higher scoring ones in the league, Ronald Jones, 10-plus touchdown upside, even if he only catches 25, 30, 35 balls or something, if he is that 1A, seeing the most snaps and most touches, big-time value. As That is the threshold. If that is the correct answer, then we won with that pick. Um, also, we got we waited on tight end, too. Uh, I think a lot of people think you need to go pretty early um, at tight end uh, with the FFPC format. We waited all the way till the end of round 10, 
And we had some checkpoints along the way. We did mention we got Rob Gronkowski in round 13. That was a, like you said, waiting on quarterback. It doesn't go against us. Plenty of depth there. Um, that made us more flexible to take a shot on best player, best upside available. But Jared Cook was one of our big planned, you know, highlighted players along the way because he's another one of those, oh, he's old. They just drafted a late day two that they traded up for uh, in Adam Troutman. But this is here and now. He's attached mm-hmm. to Drew Brees. I mean, the odds that he finishes in the top 12 is pretty darn high, even if he isn't top 10 in volume, let's say, at the position. Yeah, you know, the, the Ronald Jones thing, I, I think it's amazing how much he's been cat, you and I full circle, sort of like Josh Allen to a degree. Like we, we, you and I spent months ragging on Josh Allen pre-draft saying, you know, we don't see the top 10 pick caliber, all this stuff. He goes top 10, his value falls through the floor and we're like, all right, we're in. Like you kind of, it, it forced us just from a value perspective. Same thing with Ronald Jones, right? People, we're all over him in rookie drafts and, and we were, had plenty of other targets in that range. He was the avoid player in that top, that top eight running back class. Yet when you look at it, he's outperformed carry on Johnson. He's outperformed guys, right? Like, uh, he's outperformed Royce Freeman. I mean, if you, Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny. And if, if you were to ask someone, just a random person on the street, what did Ronald Jones finish last year in terms of positional scoring? Running back 25 doesn't feel like that right now in terms of how he's being treated. And, and I think people gloss over that fact. Again, I wasn't a huge fan, but, but watching him, I've seen him grow up in terms of you look at his body. It's a, it's a professional running back's body, whereas he was like spindle legs coming out of college, right? He is a, a much more developed, uh, he's taking it very seriously, which is some of the concerns that we had of him coming out. So I've actually seen him trend in the right direction and you get a two round discount on, on Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn went 601. We get, we get him at, uh, uh, in the eighth round, right? So. Those are, those are, that's a big value difference in terms of, uh, you know, pegging a rookie this year with the, all the stuff that's going on. No rookie minicamp, no OTAs, no veteran minicamps, no organized practices or or buyer beware on those, I guess, at this point. Uh, But all of those things, it it represents the, the type of bet to me. And and we're doing these staff write-ups and and doing the over under the overvalued undervalued players right now. A a lot of my bets have been, well, let's just bet on the same thing happening that happened last year. You know, let's look at like, let's bet on Robert Woods, right. Or uh, John Brown, right. These types of bets, these were established guys last year to expect big changes this year in terms of roles or people to develop, right? Do we think Adam Troutman's going to come in and take Jared Cook's job when he hasn't even set foot in the building? Well, right? rookie tight ends don't eat anyway. Right, right. So, I mean, all of those things and, and rookie wide receivers really don't do it either. And, and, you know, you, you see these, these things and again, Keyshawn Vaughn to expect him to come in day one and take Ronald Jones's job. I just, that's not a bet that I'd be making. And when we get a big discount on that, Ronald Jones makes a lot of sense. Again, he is the type of player. I think a a great rule to live by is I don't hate the player. I hate the cost, right? It's, it's, it's really about the cost of a player that, that means whether or not you're in or you're out. Uh, and Todd Gurley was in, in the first round of startup drafts, wasn't really a player we were gravitating towards, but now he's dropping, 
seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round of super flex drafts. And you're like, all right, at that point I can, I can, I think I can return value. It's all about the cost. It's not about the player in particular. Well, he went between Denzel Mims and Anthony McFarland. So that would be what a mid-ish second and Anthony McFarland in a start one, I guess he probably is that late second round. I, I typically was looking at him in the early third, uh, but ahead of, ahead of Zach Moss. So we'll call it later, a later second, I, I think is a, a good valuation point in this draft, uh, just based w- with the rookies there. Uh, and, Again, take that shot, right? He's 23 years old. He's younger than, than some of these rookies people are drafting. Uh, Van Jefferson looking firmly at you in the rear view mirror. Um, that, but, but yeah, and I, I love what you said, uh, because the next thing I was going to mention goes right, dovetails right in that, like, Hey, how could this season be different and how could we leverage that? And the pick we made at the turn, Jared Cook round 10 into round 11 at 11.01 was Damien Williams. So same sort of philosophy. What happened last year? Arguably Super Bowl MVP, Damien Williams. You know, Mm. I mean, he was the guy that has he ever really been the guy for eight, 10, 12 games in a row in his career? No. But what could he be? He could absolutely be, even with Clyde Edwards Hilaire developing, we're talking about a rookie. We're talking about someone that wasn't asked to pass protect or do it all that well. I have a feeling, even if you're going to be centric to the passing game and catching passes, a defense is probably going to try to light up a rookie running back protecting Patrick Mahomes as their avenue to potentially beat the Chiefs. (laughs) So I have a feeling that is going to be critical to how many snaps he gets and when. And we've seen it before be a major stumbling block. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say Damian Williams could be the early season or even still the mid-season starter for that team and to be on one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. And we got him in round 11 where we're saying, let's just, I mean, this is in a zone of Joshua Kelly, Jordan Howard. You know, Darrington Evans, these are, some of these are clear backup scenarios going into the season where I don't know how people drafting those types of players. Now, again, maybe the sunken cost theory of round 10, round 11 makes them a keep no matter what, but it's going to be tough to hold Darrington Evans in through your, through your bye weeks. If Derrick Henry has not been compromised by injury or something, and you're not getting any clarity with Darrington Evans in this example, because shallow rosters and you're going to need to fill spots and and Damian Williams again I think his most value and utility for us is early in the season and who knows I mean what if Edward Solaire misses time what if there's a lot of ways that there's upside beyond what I'm painting but I think what I paint is a more realistic scenario not a pie in the sky boy this is the most we can absolutely leverage out of Damian Williams I think that's more likely to happen than Edwards Lair coming in and being a transcendent player on a transcendent offense. And you were saying earlier, Damian Williams hasn't really done it for a full season. No, he's only done it when it's mattered. Right? Like he's only, he only did it uh, to win championships and then he only did it uh, two years ago. And then he only did it last year, right down the stretch. Right. Uh, I, I kid, he's done more than that, but, but his, his, right. The, the, punch that he packs is, 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 comes in handy when he does it. So, and I think another thing's important too, to emphasize is when you're taking a running back in round, and we sort of have stacked these guys, right? So we did AJ Dillon, we did Madison, right? We did Ronald Jones, we did Damian Williams. We're not 
necessarily seeking any single one. If, if any one of those guys fails to produce, right? It's not necessarily a failure. We're sort of, it's, it's part of a strategy. It's right? a patchwork Which, quilt. Right. Like what, what you always say is, I, I think you actually said this on a, a show we recorded years ago was, was something along the lines of, I'm trying to put together puzzle pieces for X number of starts. Now, obviously, right. you have flex players, but I mean, the minimum, you know, is a two running back format. Two, you know, even if you're thinking 13 weeks of a regular season, let's say in a typical league, you're talking 26 starts. I need 26 starts, and is it going to align perfectly? No. You might have weeks where you have more than two. You might have weeks that you have less than two. But how many will I get from Jones, from Dylan, from? And again, this is drafting Barkley up on the top. How many will Acres give us? How many will Damian Williams, Latavius Murray, like? They don't need to all carry the load. It's almost like uh, I was thinking of Moneyball. Like you remember mm-hmm. how we're trying to repl- we're not going to replace Giambi. Like was how the speech started right. with you know who are we going to find? That's you're not going to find anybody that's 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. And it's like we're not looking for that. We're going to replace them. Oh, the, the phrase was we're going to replace them in the aggregate. You yeah. know we're going to we're going to play a platoon. You know with a guy that can't hit but he walks a lot. I don't care. He gets on base. Well, again, running backs they can post the number for you. How many predictable starts can we get out of a 13 week regular season? How many, how can we put that together? The puzzle pieces where, Hey, maybe to start the year, it's two or three times out of Damian Williams. Maybe by week six, we feel comfortable with Cam Akers. Maybe what if Dalvin Cook, the holdout stretches into the season? Boom. Madison auto start to start the year. AJ Dillon. What if there's an injury or he's so undeniable that by week 10 or 12, now we're starting A.J. Dillon for a stretch, but maybe now we're not starting Damian Williams. You see how the puzzle pieces and the storylines now connect that it all kind of fits together. Yeah, and we saw it last year with Latavius Murray in a two-week sample when it, when Kamara was out. He was the running back one and with over a half a win over replacement in two weeks. And that win over replacements a season is a 13 week season, uh, measurement, right? So 12 games, assuming a buys in there. I mean, that's, that's better than McCaffrey's pace, right? And so when you, you don't need to, and this is why I think it's important to have these guys instead of James White, right? The James White, the, the lower, uh, f- the, the floor play without the variant ceiling because, you can a lot of times what what our research and what our data shows us and, and just experience shows us is that when Latavius Murray gets a couple of starts, right? And then you can stack him with uh, you know, maybe Madison gets a spot start and Damian Williams gets a spot start. The those added up and you'll know when to use them because Typically, that is when uh, a starter gets injured and the, the injury rate's high and the, the long-term injury rate, you know, missing four or more games, that's a high rate. 40% or so of the top 24 running backs that's coming in the season is the number that you would look for. And again, just playing the game this year with all the COVID stuff, right? And we're seeing these cluster injuries already or these cluster uh, infections already. I'm no doctor, but if if this is the year for these the injury rate to spike we're we're basically we're we're building a team that can exploit that right and it's playing the game and and i i wish it wasn't a game we were playing this year but it's the reality of what we're living with and you know so so having those opportunities we know that the backup running backs can can hit huge home runs from deep on deep on your your bench. And again, you, you don't necessarily need them to finish 
running back 15 for the season. If you get a couple of weeks of big performance out of them and you cycle through them, it, it, it makes, it replicates what an RB, a, a top five running back performance would be at a, a significant fraction of the cost. And wide receiver just does not have that one to one or, you know, 0.85 to one ratio of replacement factor. You know, like super flex quarterback, I would say, you know, does that job a little bit. Tight end does that a little bit. Wide receiver is really the one left behind where you say, let's give an example. Let's say you got the Colts here. T.Y. Hilton is out. Is Paris Campbell really, you know, or Michael Pittman, are they really going to replicate, you know, with the starter out, let's say? Well, there's a lot of variables, you know, are they, is the team going to look at that wide receiver and say, we can use them very similarly to that other player. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of different types at the wide receiver position, but also what that top cornerback on the other team going to do? Are they just going to go, well, T.Y. Hilton's out, so I'm out too. I'm taking this week off. See you guys. Uh, no, uh, they're going to go and shift over to whoever they view as the biggest threat potentially as a, as a will travel with you cover corner. And so how often has that new, you know, all of a sudden you're the guy. You're, you're the attention uh, getter uh, from from de- defenses to where you may not be familiar with that at the NFL level too much, uh, you know, because you've always had that running mate that, uh, you know, to take away the attention. And and we've seen before how wide receivers can thrive as the, the Robin to someone's Batman, but all of a sudden Batman's gone. You putting the cape on? Are you Are you really going to be able to replicate those targets, that efficiency, uh, that getting getting the targets even in contested situations where maybe your targets are only when plan A for the passing game goes awry and all this. So there's so many things that make it so that wide receiver is not that same, but yet every team's going to run the football. Every team is going to have running game concepts in for inside the five yard line. And it just, it will not matter. It's not like they're going to, well, uh, we can think of Marshawn Lynch for Super Bowl instances where maybe you kind of deviate from what people think you'll do. But the point is, in general, there's going to be times where you go, we're running the football. And if, if we have our third running back in there, we're still running it. Like there's, you're not going to shift to being 80% pass because your starting running back is out. So there is a baseline right. of usage, a baseline of opportunity. And that's what's so appealing. Whereas you're taking your wide receiver six, seven, eight in this format. Uh, when are they going to play? How can they benefit greatly to go above and beyond what you paid and your expectations to now that you're starting them? Like, what does it take? Just going through this, what does it take for Hunter Renfro to be a guy that you, you say, boy, week five, week six, I'm really glad I drafted him. I've started him two or three times, or I look forward to starting him in a month when I really need him. He's going to put up a big game. He's going to help me, uh, because you've already got You've already got a good collection of wide receivers because of how you drafted, most likely. Um, there's just, you know, and, and you've already drafted flex guys. What can happen in, in this storyline? Play this out for for that wide receiver to truly pay off. And I think again, the example we use is Antonio Brown. We want, we want. He's he's an all timer in what he's done of late when, when he's played these seasons. And saying there's even if you say that there's a high percentage he doesn't play. But the percentage he does play, now we've got, we, we've got a chance. We've got a chip in a chair poker wise of getting the right card on the river and this paying off massively. And if it doesn't, shoulder shrug, you move on. We took our shot, but yet you draft somebody else where 
do you really have that 10, 15, 20, whatever the percentage chance is of it hitting off with a triple or a home run? I would say no. Do yeah. you want to hi- want to highlight uh, some of the content coming out at footballguys.com? And this is why you need to be a part of the daily email update, update delivered by Joe Bryant. Uh, it's your daily guide for all your news, instant analysis. And as we get closer to the season, it's going to be more and more important that not one thing slips through your fingers as a dynasty GM. Uh, and the, that's it. You can subscribe at footballguys.com slash free. Some of the recent articles, uh, listed through the email in addition to the news do want to highlight, uh, Jordan, you had a really good strategy post about potential holdouts. Uh, that applies to some of the players we've talked about in this show. We also have that, that super series of undervalued, overvalued and sleeper, uh, quarterback and running back is out already. Wide receiver is going to be out shortly, tight end to follow. And that highlights you get so many write ups, a full paragraph basically for everyone submitting players. You see who the top, uh, recommendations are, uh, based on their, their likely draft cost as we go through these summer months. Um, we had 28 different wide receivers listed as undervalued. You're going to get that full staff collaboration from football guys. Um, I did my tier break series. Quarterback and running back are already out. You want to find specific stuff for Jordan or myself, you can just type our names into the search bar. And you're going to get every article that we put out. Jordan, your dynasty rankings are up there. So, and I do want to mention that the free faucet. So people that, that, you know, you've been enjoying all the draft content, the early look at the season with rankings, um, and recommendations, so many articles that goes away. Uh, July 15th is right around the corner. We're about three weeks away. So you want to be inside that subscriber line. You need to, first of all, you got to get on the email list. Second of all, the, the content faucet. It's subscriber only. So when it gets time to brass tacks, you want all the recommendations, the rankings, uh, the projections week to week. I use them um, as my go-to resource. Uh, what, what is it? The hair club for men. They say, I'm not only, uh, I'm not only, uh, like in this circumstance, I'm not only a staff writer. I'm also a user, you know, <laughs> like I'm also a reader and, uh, uh, and, and using their, them for lineup decisions. Uh, just great projections and rankings for all the formats you need with my football guys. Um, there you can upload and import all of your, all of your formats. Anything to add, Jordan, in terms of uh, some of the offerings that, again, you got two, three weeks left and then, you got to sign up. You got to be a part of it. July, August, and beyond. Yeah, I, I I've been a football guy subscriber for as long as I can remember. Pre, you know, pre being a staff writer, which is new to this year. I've been a I've been a subscriber forever. It, it it's very helpful. Um, and honestly, like the, I can't tell you how much fun I'm having doing these overvalued, undervalued sleeper. I, I mean, it's great. And it's funny because like I kept seeing in the the thread that comes through about who's in there robert woods's name just kept popping up so i was like all right like i'll write about somebody else because <laughs> like robert woods's name kept popping up um it seemed like low-hanging fruit um but yeah just it, it and it's you're covering a lot of players i mean i've i've done a, a ton of research just on individual players just through that project alone not even talking about the dynasty startup uh, articles that we did and, and all of the other content that's out there. I mean, it's, it's well worth, it's well worth the subscription and, um, and yeah, I mean, y- your stuff, I mean, my favorite stuff is Adam Harstead's, uh, deep dive strategy pieces from, from going way, way back to when I first started playing dynasty. So you can get all of that and it's, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And I think, I think th- this also speaks to why, why are we both on staff there? And I know for me, and I'm sure you're similar, Jordan, of just, it is a very, 
I felt honored to be a part of the machinery, the solution, the staff of, of, of offering content and, and time and talents because I respected all that was going on observing that and, and consuming the content as a subscriber. And that was over, uh, like you said, years, you know, of just being a fly on the wall, whether it's, you know, being a part of the message board and consuming the content and using it uh, to manage my own teams, whether it was redraft dynasty or otherwise, and now being part of the inner workings and seeing um, how things are run. And it's just as good as I, I possibly could have expected uh, from just observing it on the outside of just knowing and trusting that as, as, as Joe Bryant says, as being a guide, you know, we are your dynasty redraft uh, guides for, for your teams uh, to distill advice and information so that you can have your best seasons. Um, and, and so observing that from afar and then being a part of that team and that family um, has really been a, a great transition. And you're just on the early stages. So, so welcome to the ride because it's going to be, uh, it's just a fun, fulfilling one. And like you said, we do a number of collaborative things as a staff that make it, make it really enjoyable in the off season. Let's, uh, let's go through, uh, some dynasty trade rapid fire. We have a few rounds left, so we'll, we'll touch on that next week. We'll be moving on to some other dynasty topics here, finishing up the FFPC startup draft journey we're doing. And like I said, in the next few days, we'll be finishing that. Um, here we go. Rapid fire. We got a few here. This is a rebuilding stock, uh, 12 team PPR, one quarterback format. We've got Odell Beckham for Calvin Ridley and 110. So the rookie draft this year still to follow. Could that be someone in the Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager type zone there in a one quarterback league? What do you think about Beckham who's been falling down and Ridley has been one that has been uh, boosted up in dynasty circles this offseason? Yeah, they're going in the opposite direction. Uh, if you, I'll say this. I, I think that Odell Beckham Jr. has the higher upside out of the two of them. Uh, in terms of that side of the trade, I think that's the one. If there's going to be one that changes the league, I think it's that side. I will say, I think the Ridley 110 side is more insulated. So if you are going for a rebuild and you, when you see, when you start to see players like Odell Beckham Jr., it's been a couple years in a row now where you've seen a downtick and there's other things related to that. It's not a great, it's not a great arc to be on. Uh, that is a, it's a pothole in what has otherwise been a, a, uh, super highway of, of production throughout his career. So I think he can bounce back, but I would say if you're looking for some insulation in terms of value, I think the Ridley side offers that. I, I think it's fair depending on what you're, what you're looking for. If you're in a rebuild, I wouldn't have a problem doing the Ridley side. Um, in a vacuum, I'd probably take the Beckham side, but I think it's close. Yeah, I think it, it would be a feather in the cap. You know, the argument for Ridley is, hey, he's been a top 30 guy in point per game, two straight years, top 20 last year, and Julio Jones is there. You know, I mean, there, that is an absolute, yes, it funnels through two wide receivers, but you still got to post, you know, and they've also had quality tight end production during that span. So we'll see about, you know, Gurley being in there, Hayden Hurst. I mean, that could diminish the pie that is available to a wide receiver too, but the floor is pretty high and he pretty much came in right away. You're uh, round one guy. So, so yeah, I think that's pretty insulated and 110 is meaningful. I mean, I think that's maybe the equivalent to a mid first, uh, maybe a tick or two higher in, in a typical or maybe downish class. Um, but worth but, like one, one Oh three of last year. <laughs> right. Beck, but Beckham's an all timer. You know, I mean, you could yeah. absolutely quote unquote, get this wrong. If he is a, Randy Moss, like that was just a down year and we've seen it. We've seen it from Terrell Owens. You know, we haven't seen it from Julio Jones, but, um, but we, even if we've seen it from, uh, Jerry Rice, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. these down years, these blips 
because he was a top 10 guy every year, lock and load. And, right. and so this is just, it's hard for us to compute, but it's recency in terms of like, this is the end. Odell Beckham, never going to be the same. And it's, you know, kind of murky. We're telling us these stories. What if Baker Mayfield stinks? Well, they'll address the quarterback at some point, or, you know, maybe he'll change teams. I mean, a lot of ways to go. I think it's pretty fair. And if you're rebuilding, especially get yourself, you know, Ridley 110. I think it does kind of turn the page, uh, in terms of getting some younger pieces, maybe a little more insulated from the downside that could be Odell Beckham. Um, all right. Let's go rebuilding again. Uh, we'll go one more of these. Um, Alan Robinson for, uh, so Jordan's always on edge. <laughs> you see Alan Robinson traded. Uh, this could be impending doom because you are a certifiable fan club member. Um, Alan Robinson yeah. for Michael Pittman and a 2021 first and second. There's some early upside, probably mid round if you're projecting it straight out. Give me Alan Robinson. Not even particularly uh, close. I, okay. Not even particularly close. Listen, uh, one again, we talk about old mistakes made that we're not making now. When wide receivers get to Allen Robinson's level, which is alpha ones, right? I mean, that that is the level of he, which he's on. Again, undervalued guys that we're writing about this week. He was the one that led uh, top five in terms of targets and and just immense market share of just he's and incredibly dominant part of that offense and on a weekly basis i wrote the recaps last year every week it was he was the best player on the field uh and i don't care about the i mean he did that with mitchell trubisky as his quarterback who was the 32nd ranked uh yards per attempt quarterback last year out of 32 qualifiers right that's the floor in terms of what he can offer right it can't get worse than that so uh give me alan robinson uh and and getting back a player like Pittman, there's a ton of risk in that and doing it that there's, uh, there's ways to do this deal. It's not for a rookie day two wide receiver. Right. And it's not a super, those aren't super flex picks. So even if, so even if you get a one Oh four pick next year, one Oh four and two Oh four, you're going to get a wide receiver that I think you hope over time develops into drum roll. Allen Robinson. (laughs) So, so you're hoping in 2023, you end up with someone that like Alan Robinson does for the next two, three years, probably someone like that is what you're and hoping that, to get starting next year or probably starting the year after that. I mean, and the odds of that happening are right. Like uh, maybe one, one right. out of four, if you're lucky, right? Who's the best quarterback he's caught passes from just offhand. His high school one. His high school one. <laughs> Wow. Who's Christian Hackenberg. Who, was, Hackenberg. Was it Hackenberg and somebody yeah. else at Penn State? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, Hackenberg and then Bortles. The quicker uh, Chad yeah. Henney, maybe? Was, did he catch passes from Chad Henney? Uh, That's a good pull. He may have caught yeah. a, occasional passes from Chad Henney there in Jacksonville. <laughs> in J-Town, as we call it. Um, okay. Uh, how about this? Chris, so Chris Godwin, in, in, I don't know why I wrote Superflex, Jordan. That's offensive on my part. I, my, my big thing is when people go, yeah, it's a two tight end league and there's no picks involved and no tight ends involved. It's a what critical is, is, fact. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a five quarterback league. Ready? No quarterbacks are involved. <laughs> All right. It's Chris Godwin and Matt Breida. Uh, we are Breida fans. We're in the, the, the Breida bunch there. Uh, so you, you add a little bit to Chris Godwin for DeAndre Hopkins. What Give are your thoughts? Okay. Give me Hopkins. Godwin's is, Godwin is right, white hot though. That's, that's true. Uh, uh, again, overvalued players that were, that, that are going to be coming out. And it's funny, we're to all these players are the ones that came up in, in that article that I, that were, those articles were writing. You look at, you look at Godwin, 119 targets last year. 
had an, an um, enormous efficiency. I think it was 2.16 points per target, something in that range. Uh, if you, right, that number is just crazy high. And it, on average, a target last year was worth about 1.6 points per target. So he's going over a half a point more per, per what a target's worth. That number isn't consistent year over year, right? So that number, there's a high level of variance year to year from, in particular players performance in that stat. So you have to bet that some regression is going to happen. The way to counteract that is an increase in volume. They Which went out gonna and, happen. <laughs> they went out and, and what did they do? Well, they still have, uh, Mike Evans, who's, who has performed at a higher pace in terms of targets than, than Chris Godwin has in terms of, I think it's a per, if you sort of extrapolate out, it's 145 targets thereabouts per per season over the past three years. Six straight top 24 seasons for Mike Evans. Yeah, Every year, it, lock and load. Yeah, how's that to start a career it, it, without a comp, right, in terms of the century? Um, you So so you have that. Uh, they go out and they get Gronkowski. They have O.J. Howard, right? They go and, and if you're sort of on the anti-Ronald Jones bandwagon, which a lot of people are, they go out and get Keyshawn Vaughn. Right. So this isn't an, an offense that's static. This is an offense that actually has added pieces and cut the and, interceptions in half. Right. Cut the, and, and it's not like they have to, they're going to have a hard time adjusting Gronkowski to Brady. Right. Some of these other deals, like how does Stefan Diggs integrate into a Buffalo offense without training with Josh Allen at all? Right. That's a question that I have. You don't have to, you don't have that problem with Gronkowski, right? Gronkowski can show up week one and he knows what Brady's going to do, right? So, and Brady knows what he's going to do. So you have that there and, and they're the one with the relationship, right? So all of that's to say, I don't see how volume goes up for Godwin. So give me, give me Hopkins. Give me Hopkins. Well, yeah, Hopkins has done it with a variety of situations. Hmm. Obviously Deshaun Watson has helped, but he has four top five seasons. So four versus one. And I know he's older, but again, which one, like you, you outlined it very well of the targets could go down for, for, for Godwin. And what if he's not as otherworldly efficient? Then he becomes closer to just a guy. I know that's, that might be, you know, that might be a hot take, but there is a reasonable chance he becomes just a guy next year, this season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, this is a train wreck, right? If Chris Godwin finishes as wide receiver 28, this is a train wreck deal, right? Oh, that's a disaster. But that's and honestly, possible. You, oh, that's yeah. Possible. On, you, on you, what? A hundred? If he if he gets one hundred targets and he's not super efficient, that that's yeah. absolutely within the range of outcomes. If you had put him at about an average efficiency last year, I looked at this. I think I wrote about this actually earlier in the offseason as well. If you put him at about an average efficiency last year, he would have finished right around wide receiver twenty four. Which is and good. If he lowers targets by even ten or fifteen, boom, you're at twenty-eight or thirty. Or I mean, there you are, right? Suboptimal. Yes, not good. A lot of there's people thinking he's got a really high ceiling, maybe, but the floor is a lot lower than people are are appreciating at this point. Right. The run game was not great, you know, mm. previously. What if it's better? And again, the more drives going deeper, so less drives per game, so you get less cracks sometimes on these teams because hey, they got down there. Three times they scored touchdowns, but they're not playing from behind a bunch. They're not throwing pick sixes early in games and they're down by two touchdowns and slinging the ball around the yard. So, and their defense is actually pretty good. 
right? So sneaky, sneaky decent and sneaky yeah. underrated, right? Yeah. So all these things, and to say if you think Mike Evans is greater than, we've said it before, investing in wide receiver twos, and you could view this as one A one B, and it, it is very risky, is all I'll say. Mm-hmm. And this has nothing to do if if we like or dislike Chris Godwin the player. Nothing right. to do with this. Let's bet on the first ballot Hall of Famer. Exactly. The guy that he uh, quizzically, the only reason he's not on the same team is because someone came to a yard sale and he said, I'll give you four figures for that old couch. <laughs> That's the only reason. That's the only reason he's not on the, not on uh, Houston right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last one. We got uh, Derek Henry. This is a super flex because there are picks involved. 10 teamer. So more important about the high end players. Derek Henry, Debo Samuel, and a second and third next year. So four pieces for Mr. Joe Mixon. Um, I would take the Mixon side of this. I will say that you could you could convince me to go the other side if it was other players sort of in the same range, right? If they were similar value players, but they were different ones. I'm just not a huge Derrick Henry fan. I, I appreciate what he's done. I think last year's ceiling in terms of uh, efficiency. Um, again, Debo is not a huge profile that I like. I'm sort of fading 2021 picks. So all that's to say, um, I would take the Mixon side of it. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's some ancillary stuff. 10 team is, is a key part because yes, you get a little boost with those picks, but also, um, again, the, the thresholds for quarterback specifically are, are not as high in a 12 team or, or, or deeper than that. Not a big Henry fan. And Debo Samuel, I'm not the biggest fan either. I'm in camp Brandon Ayuk, which, yes. I, I, and that was before injury. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important. And I actually got in my ear, Jordan. We are on the clock after a third defense goes off the board, uh, just to update our FFPC status. Oh, so all right. We'll actually say that. We'll, you know, we, we actually had some pr- discussions earlier in the day about we're still not fully sold. So we won't do a pick, uh, pick during the show here. But, but yeah, I think Joe Mixon, I actually have a little bit of concern. The anointment factor that Joe Mixon will be and, and Joe, Joe Burrow will transform to this elite offense in Cincinnati and that Joe Mixon will be that big part. He's going to have a top three or four season this year or next year. I think there's a lot of proclaim, proclaiming he will do it. He has not done it. And I think there's a little more risk with Joe Mixon than a lot of people are letting on or wanting to acknowledge right now. So even with all that though, I'm more of a seller on Debo Samuel, more of a seller on Derek Henry, then those concerns about Joe Mixon, who I do like, and I like what I've seen on tape so far. So, and I think consolidating in a 10 team is generally a good thing. Uh, you know, you can, the waiver wire is more robust typically. And again, you can replicate as we've been talking about with the FFPC, refining your top eight, 10, 12 players, whatever that threshold is for you is one of the more important annual to do list items. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing about Mixon. He, it's surprising his his best finish. I think he there's been eight running backs. I put this out on Twitter. I think I actually put it in an article as well. I think there's been there's been seven or eight running backs in his class that have finished with a better seasonal finish than he has. How good is that class, right? In terms of all the guys in that class, and that includes Leonard Fournette, right? So, uh, I mean, he's been good, but let's not let's on the flip side of what we we're just talking about, let's be honest with the fact that he hasn't been a superstar yet. So there is a little bit of concern there. Right. I think, uh, let me scroll and make sure it's not. Yes, it was this FFPC draft, Joe Mixon mid middle round one. I mean, that is again, the, uh, K- uh, Kyler Murray in a super flex taking him in the top three or four. 
that that is again assuming he will do it with a oblivious nature to any sort of, any other outcome. Right. So there there's plenty of risk there. And this is not, you know, hating on Joe Mixon the player, but he has not really done it yet. So if he puts three seasons together of the three he just did and you spent a mid first, you're probably not going to be happy with that. Starting, <laughs> starting at the end of 2020 is what I would say. Um, so do you want to mention subscribe, rate and review to the football guys shows? You can do that through your, your listening apps. Uh, there is a number, you know, there's an IDP show, IDP roundtable. You know about the audible, you know about on the couch as well as this dynasty show. You can sign up for the football guys daily email at footballguys.com slash free. The FFPC football guys players championship, uh, sign up drafting now and you get a free $35 team when you register. And that's at myffpc.com slash football guys. And do want to mention what we've discussed in this episode. We've talked about running backs extensively, a lot of overarching strategy, some of our target players within FFPC. We also broke down pretty in-depth guys like Chris Godwin, Alan Robinson, Odo Beckham, as well as Calvin Ridley. I am Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara. And until next time, good luck in your dynasty leagues. Yeah, I'm an athlete. I got an athlete's physique. Sure.